The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Hey, everybody, look at me and my cool new Facebook profile picture. I hate social media trends, man. I really do. God, every time I turn around on social media, it's just the blind leading the blind. And now it's these, uh, what, this app that turns all your Facebook profile pictures into these drawings or paintings. And word on the street is that apparently it's a Russian app. And they say that, Russians are stealing your data. But let's be honest, who really cares at this point? Because if you're on TikTok, they're stealing your data too. The Chinese are. So it's kind of pointless, man. You know, they got all this stuff. Everything's stealing your data. That is just the world we live in, in this time and age of technology. Your data is under attack, no matter what you do. You know, I'm running Express P, Express VPN on my phone. But I still get crap that pops up on my phone all the time. So... Who really knows at this point, you know? But anyway, man, I'm back again for another episode. And guess what? I have survived Derby. And thank God, Derby is finally over. Now we can get back to our regular scheduled craziness here in Louisville. But I'm, I'm not going to lie. This was probably one of the best Derbies I've had and worked since I've been here. You know, typically people hate working derby because, I mean, it is long, long hours and long days. I mean, I did 12 days in a row, eight plus hours each day. And I mean, 12 hours in most days and some days probably like 14, 15 hours. So, yeah, I'm glad that it was over, but I really did enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. I did. It was so nice to be at derby and to see some normal and just come back to the city of Louisville after COVID and the riots and the protests. You know, I told you all that during my one of my last few podcasts how nice it was that during thunder over louisville we had so many people out in the city and people were stopping and looking at the police and saying thank you and thanking us for our service and hey we're glad to see you here it was very refreshing and it was the same with derby and i really enjoyed it because it was like everything came full circle and I feel like I got a little redemption and we got a second chance to get this thing right in the city. You know, so for Derby, I was on SRT with the special response team. You know, we were out just in case protests started happening and people wanted to try to shut down Derby again like they have for the past two years. But we were on standby. But thank God we didn't have to do anything. And the part that I liked the most was the fact that this year, like the past two years, we were stationed at 9th and Central, which is right across from Churchill's Downs, right across from the track, right next to the police academy. And as we were standing there this year, you know, people are crossing the busy intersection. You know, people got on their derby hats and their derby outfits. And they're just looking at us and smiling. And I look over at my buddy and I think to him, I tell him, I'm like, dude, you remember two years ago we were standing at this very same intersection? We were surrounded by thousands of people that were armed. And we had so many guns pointed at us and people were yelling at us that they were going to kill us. People were yelling at us. We're going to eat your babies. 
We're going to eat your young. We're going to murder your families. Fuck all you all. Fuck 12. You know, it just, it was so weird just how that was two years ago. And man, it was so refreshing just standing there at that same intersection, not having guns in my face and not having to make peace with the fact that I might get shot in the face and die today. So it was a very, very refreshing and much needed change of pace for the city and for the police department. Man, it was so nice, dude. I mean, man, we even got went inside the track this year because we haven't been in there in the last two years. Apparently, we weren't supposed to, but I don't know. I mean, hey, they let me in, so why not, right? <laughs> so we're walking around. I mean, it was, we were just greeted by smiles everywhere. And even better, my cousin came down from Indianapolis. So my cousin, he owns an engineering firm up in Indianapolis, and when he came down for Derby, he and all his buddies had a suite up on the sixth floor. So he hits me up like, yo, Dex, where you at, man? Come slide through and say what's up. I was like, bet. I'm there. I'm in. I'm down for it. So I make my way up to the sixth floor. And as I walk in, I see my cousin. It's so good to see this dude. Freaking love this guy. So proud of him, too. I mean, he's from a good family. His mom, my cousin, she's a freaking captain up in the Indianapolis PD. So, you know, it runs in the family, man. And this dude, he's doing great for himself. Next, I could not be more proud, man. But also, what y'all got to realize about Jarvis is Jarvis is not a large black man, but he's a he's a decent he's a decent sized guy. He's real tall, real muscular looking, and he has dreads. You know, so I'm sitting there talking to him, and I just look around and I notice like all these white people keep looking at you. And like I said, this is the sixth floor in a suite at Derby. There's not a lot of black people up there. You know, so next thing you know, this young this white lady walks up to him. Excuse me, sir, what team do you play for? And I'm looking like, wow, did she really just do that? But, man, my cousin's cool. He just went with it. He's like, man, I play for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> Knowing damn well. Yeah, he don't play no football, but he he does have the look. I ain't going to lie, he does have the look. Yeah, but he even brought me in. He's like, yeah, this is my personal security right here. And now, remember, I'm decked out in complete uniform. Got the tack vest on and all that. So, you know, I'm just sitting there chilling. And hey, I was like, man, I'm going with it. I'm like, yeah, man, we're here. Yep. He's I was like, he's uh he's the Colt, he's the kicker for the Indianapolis Colts, you know, and everybody just kept looking at him, wanting to take his picture, and he's just taking pictures with people, you know, um, stereotyping. Yeah, very much so. I wouldn't call him racist, but <laughs> it's just very <laughs> it's just very telling that, you know, you got a room full of white people and they all look at my cousin, one of the few black guys up there and thinks he's in the NFL or plays in the NBA. Not knowing that this is a very successful man that has built his own engineering firm, dude. So, you know, I had a good time with that. But that, damn, that was funny. <laughs> it's just how short-sighted and short-minded people are. But then again, when the NFL is mostly, you know, black pe- black guys, you know, with dreads, I guess, you know, I guess if the uh, stereotype fits, why not wear it, right? <laughs> So now I hang out with him for a little bit up in the suite, and then I go back down to the streets and finish out my detail. But, man, I'm like, so I'm just glad that it's over, and I'm glad, like, we're going back to normal. And I went finally went back to the streets the day after. And let me tell you all something. The summer of dong cometh early this year. Let me tell you what the summer of dong is. The summer of dong is when the weather starts to change over from really cool to nice and warm to really hot. 
And when the weather starts to get warmer, the dongs start coming out. There's homeless ding-dongs flapping in the wind everywhere. And last week, man, I have seen more homeless dongs than I have in a long period of time. I guess the homeless are happy that COVID's over and that there's people back downtown. And now they, they I guess they think they can just let it all hang out all over the place. Everywhere I turn or every time I get on, you know, I'm listening to the radio, copy on an exposure person. And, oh, my Lord, people, my God. I mean, it's just not healthy to have penises everywhere downtown, you know. And it's just been one call after the other. I mean, we got called the other week on a guy just completely butt-ass naked walking down the street. And, you know, I've been doing police work a long time, and it's not unusual to me. But for me, it was weird because, like I said, this guy was completely butt-ass naked. He had a light-skinned black dude. He had a big old afro. No, I ain't going to no, he ain't. <laughs> I know what you thought I was getting ready to say he had a big old one, but no. And even worse was I put this guy, I put a blanket around this dude. He's crazy as hell. The lights are on, but ain't nobody home. So I put him in my police car. And as I'm driving to the uh, hospital to put him in the hospital for mental health evaluation, it's the most awkward stare in my life. This guy's butt naked in the back of my police car. He's got a tattoo between his eyes, and he's just staring at me through the glass, just staring deeply at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is not cool. And I'm like, you good, bro? He doesn't say nothing. He just keeps staring at me deeply. And I'm like, man, let me hurry up and get the hell to this hospital before something else pops off here. So we finally get him to the hospital, and he just keeps staring deeply into my eyes. I'm like, okay, please hurry up. Thank God we had our rookie with us that was training. So I let him take it from there, man. <laughs> you know, there's nothing more awkward than having a light-skinned black dude in the back of your car with an afro with a tattoo between his eyes just staring at you. And he's already crazy, and you can only imagine. What's this dude thinking in his mind as he's looking at me? It's horrible. God, I was so uncomfortable. I, I felt violated. <laughs> you know, then yeah, that was just one of the many. Then we get a call the other day. Down at the Splash Park here in Louisville in the waterfront, man, we got the Children's Adventure Park. It's nice warm weather. And you know what? There's people everywhere. And I enjoy seeing kids all over the place having a good time at the Splash Park, running around. Then we get I get a call from a commander in my division directly to my phone. And she says, Dexter, I need your help. There's a man apparently masturbating himself at the Splash Park in front of all the little children. We need you to go down there. And so I, of course, I'm going to go handle this. You know, I have kids. I couldn't imagine if I was at the Splash Park with my family and I look up and there's some weirdo creep out there, you know, just hammering himself off, man, in front of the kids at the Splash Park. So I, I get down there and everybody, you know, people are livid, livid. And I'm like, hey, man, where's this dude at? And I look over, there's this tall, skinny black dude sitting on a bench. And he's got this super bright yellow rain jacket laying over himself. And I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, oh, my God, you can just tell what's going on. And clearly he's homeless. And he's just sitting there smiling, looking at all the children, just having the time of his life. And I walk up to him. Man, I ain't even doing that. What you want, man? What you want, man? 
you know, and then it just goes from there, you know, and I, my partner came to help me. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you see this dude, man? And he was like, yeah, it looks like he's got a Georgie's raincoat from freaking it. <laughs> I was like, probably a bad reference at this point in time about Georgie going missing. And this guy sitting here with the yellow rain jacket <laughs> at the park and beating off in front of all these kids, you know. So honestly, I couldn't arrest him on that because I was not there. and There was no indecent exposure. His genitals were not exposed. And when I got there, he wasn't doing anything. Yo, but thank God for good Samaritans in the area. So one guy approaches me, he's like, hey, man, I got I got video evidence of this, man. Check this out. And I look at the video evidence, and you can clearly see this dude is stroking it out in front of everybody under the rain jacket. There's the universal motion for, yes, I'm fapping it, is the same. You don't have to question what it is. There's nothing else going on under <laughs> under a yellow rain jacket at a park while you're shirtless in that up and down motion. There's no question what it is. You know, we we all know what that is, you know? So so I take him in for a disorderly conduct charge for causing panic and alarm to the public, you know? But what makes me even more upset was the fact that I'm taking this dude down to the jail. You know what he says to me? He was like, you know, I'm going to be out in a little bit, right? I was like, you are absolutely right. He was like, ain't nothing y'all can do about it. I was like, man, you know what? He's absolutely right. And he just, this dude knows the system. And I say, he's crazy, but he ain't that crazy. He's just enough crazy, man, just enough. And he knows how the system is set up and how the system works, and he's going to take full advantage of it. And that freaking, yo, I don't know, man. There was something about that raincoat that was freaky. Once my homeboy made that reference to it, I don't know, that rain jacket, man, that yellow rain jacket in my car, and it just kept haunting me. As I was driving around with this thing in my car, his raincoat, and I just kept thinking to myself, they all jack off down here, Georgie. They all jack off. <laughs> oh, God, what a creeper, man. It, there are creepers in this world, people. And the, the warmer it gets, the more they start coming out. You know, there's another guy that likes to get naked in the area that I work. It's another skinny black dude. He's home. Well, he's not. The thing is, he's not even homeless. He has a freaking apartment, but he just likes coming to this intersection. He hangs out at the intersection all day and he is constantly getting undressed. And I get probably five to six calls a shift on this guy that's naked at the corner. And let me tell you something about this dude. I found out this fact not long ago. This guy is a former boxer. And so whenever you see him out there, He's always doing push-ups and sit-ups. And I'm like, and he's in good shape. He's probably about 50 plus years old, but the dude is ripped. And every time I drive by, you know, when I get the call that there's somebody out here naked, he's got he's got his clothes on. But what he does, I don't know if it's a game or not, but he's like he's constantly changing his clothes. And he's taking his pants off out there and then putting them back on. And then he's just doing it's getting this calisthenic workout in, man. Like he's got a title fight coming up soon or something. Just out there on the corner and just, and I always got a job. But, hey, man, put your damn clothes on. You know, so, but at this point in time, I'm tired of dealing with him. And now from now on, he's going to be going to jail. I'm tired of it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm tired of looking at your dong out here, homie. You know, there's people out here, bro. And he just does, I don't know, It's he's crazy. He just don't care. Does not care whatsoever. And the last thing I want to do is have to go out here and try to fight this dude. Because he's clearly 
Like I said, he's a trained boxer. He might be a little out of his mind, but I know he's shoot. I'm, I'm positive. Homeboy still knows how to throw them hands. And the last thing I'm trying to do is be throwing hands with a butt-naked black dude on Broadway. Because you know what? I've learned in this profession, you never win when the person you're fighting is naked. You never win. Man, you're going to get this dude to the ground. Next thing you know, you're going to have his meat just all up on your face. Just... No, nah, you, oh, no, 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 no. And then you're going to go viral. Oh, God, no, man. Yes, uh, I, just, I just wish he would go away. Just go back inside. It's hot. You got air conditioning. Why are you out here all day? And the one person I haven't seen in a while that everybody knows in Louisville, and I'm going to say his name because the dude, he don't care. He's super popular. He's kind of a famous homeless guy. But his name is Mark, Mark Anthony. His real name is Mark Magellan. Somebody has a YouTube page after this guy. And so Mark is a four, 500-pound black guy. Mark is homeless. Mark is a little crazy. But Mark is also a brilliant man. I mean, when I tell you this guy is actually intelligent, but he's also a little crazy, it is the perfect analogy. Like, And when I tell you this man is an artist, this dude draws some of the most amazing paintings and designs I've ever seen. I actually bought one of his from him while I was at work because it was so spectacular. Actually, I have it sitting in my studio downstairs hanging up. I need to get a frame, but yeah, man, like dude's freaking incredible. But at the same time, Mark, he knows like he can't get naked in public, but for some odd reason, he just loves to do it. So a few years ago, we get a call to 4th Street Live and we get there. There's Mark in the middle of 4th Street Live in the summer, full of people and tourists and kids everywhere. And Mark has his pants down to his ankle. And Mark, he's a little cross-eyed, and his eyes bug out. <laughs> and Mark likes to stick his tongue out and go, Bleh! and then wave his hands as he's, he calls, he says that he's performing for the people. In his mind, it's an art. <laughs> and so he just stands in the middle of 4th Street Live with his pants down, eyes crossed, just, <laughs> you know, just kind of, <laughs> he says, putting on a show for the people. And, of course, we got to take Mark to jail. But where do you take a four or five hundred pound man to jail? He ain't getting into your squad car. You know what we'd have to do with Mark? Thank God 4th Street Live is just across the way from the jail. He is the only man in my 13 year career where I had me and my partners had to walk his big ass to the jail because there was no way he was getting in the back of the squad car. He wasn't going to fit. And so we're sitting here, we're walking with Mark. He's got his bag full of his markers and paintings and drawings. And he's just willing his bag and, you know, his ankles are swollen. He's a big dude. And he's just dying. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, I'm so tired, Officer Pitts. I'm so tired. Ooh. Like, come on, Mark. Keep walking, man. The nicest guy. You know, he's not a jerk. But so we walk him like 10 minutes over to the jail. Of course, he's not handcuffed. He ain't going nowhere. And Mark ain't particularly strong, but I say he's just a big boy. You know, the best part is we get him to the jail. Everybody at the jail knows Mark. Mark, what'd you do today? Oh, I just had to perform a little bit. Oh, I just had to perform. You know? <laughs> so we get him at the jail. He's sitting there. The next thing you know, he just starts spouting off. Before this, I was smoking crack with Donald Trump. I was like, yeah. <laughs> smoking crack with Donald Trump. Okay, Mark. You know, if he had said he was smoking crack with Joe, uh, with uh, Hunter Biden, I absolutely would have believed him. And I would not have questioned it whatsoever because that has been confirmed, <laughs> you know, but it don't stop there. And then the other day when I went back to work, 
One of the first calls I got out the gate was a man exposing himself at White Castle. And so we go over to White Castle, and little homeless, skinny, skinny homeless guy sitting there, man. And honestly, it wasn't really his fault. Yo, but, uh, you know, he's homeless and the man, he's super skinny. His pants are like eight sizes too big for him. And the plastic bag that he used to tie his pants together was not enough. And so he's sitting there in the drive through People are trying to order their, uh, what are those things, the sliders from White Castle. Now, they want hamburger meat. They didn't want to see his meat, but they were getting his meat with it as they were ordering. And he's just sitting there chilling, man. I was like, come on, homie. But, I mean, super nice guy. But, unfortunately, he's homeless. He's out of his mind, you know. And that's mostly what we deal with, man. But he did end up, I did end up having to take him to jail. But it wasn't on that. It was on, he had some warrants he had to go get taken care of because, you know, he'd been getting away for the last two years with COVID and our lack of contact with the public. So, you know, he had to go you know, answer for what he's done in the past. But that's one of those guys like, man, you feel bad for him because, you know, he's not right. And he literally has nothing going for himself. And all he wanted was, officer, can you please give me some water? I just need some water. I was like, brother, I got you. I will get you some water. Poor guy was thirsty and probably starving to death. So, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. And I helped this man in his time of need. Well, I still took him to jail because the job's got to get done. And while we're on the subject of the summer of dong cometh early, I told you all I've been doing this job a long, long time now. And I have seen a lot of dongs in my time because this just comes with the work. It just comes with the job, man. But ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you all, I saw... Man, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm like, I'm still kind of traumatized, though. I literally saw the largest dong I've ever seen in my life, in person, the other day at the jail. Oh, my dear Jesus, man. So let me explain to y'all how this situation magically unfolded. It's the end of shift. And we got this big event that happens on a on a beat that's freaking far, far, far west of me. The guys that arrested him, well, it's like seven o'clock and they got to go home. And I hear the active sergeant say, hey, send 115 Adam back this way for a prisoner transport. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. You know, it's Friday. I'm ready to go home, start drinking on my bourbon and chilling. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to go help my peeps. So I go back to the scene and put the guy in my car when well, that the guy I put the guy in my car there's two people that got arrested during this incident I took my guy down to the jail and my partner for the day she took her guy down to the jail and well she was volunteering to help us on our shift because we were short so I was like hey I'm gonna take your guy for you you know put him down there handcuff him and I'm gonna put my guy in then I'm gonna put your guy in so you know, these two guys were thrown down in the street and fighting. I don't really know the circumstances behind it because I got there late. But, you know, so my dude is like, man, I'm ready to go. Where are they at? I'm like, dude, they're getting all your paperwork together. And then my partner's guy, this tall, skinny black dude, he's like, hey, man, officer, I got a shit. I'm like, hey, give me a second because I don't want y'all two starting to fight again. He's like, man, I promise we're not going to fight, man. I just really need a shit. I was like, bro, get look, you're not going to ruin my Friday. If you walk past this dude and hit him. We're going to have problems. You know, so I get my guy into the jail. And then once my guy goes into the jail, I take my partner's prisoner and I walk him over to the bathroom. Now, you all got to understand that the bathroom at the jails, 
It's right in the middle of the, of the sally port, and there's a giant window. You know, so, you know, I knew this guy has been searched and patted down pretty good, but it's a prisoner. And I don't trust people in handcuffs, period, because people get desperate and try to do anything to get away. And so, you know, I walk him over to the bathroom and there's a giant window and I'm not watching through the window, but I'm just watching to make sure the door don't fly open and to make sure that this guy doesn't run out of that bathroom door. And when the Sally port uh, port opens up, you can get access to outside. And I was like, I'm going to make sure this dude don't run because he looked like he could run. So, you know, I'm sitting there talking to all my buddies at the jail that are bringing in the prisoners. We're just BS and having a good time. And I'm like, man, this dude's been in there a minute. So I'm like, man, hold up. This dude's probably up to something. And so I walk up to the window and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And I look, this dude is crouched over, kind of slightly crouched over. And this freaking, I don't know what to call that thing. Holy Jesus. I guess the ladies would call it a pleasure silo. This joint is hanging past this dude's knees. I swear to God. And this thing was a whole nother person. This thing had its own social security number, zip code and phone number. And it was just dangling back and forward, hypnotizing you like, oh, my God, don't look. Oh, sweet Jesus, man. And I'm looking like, oh, my God. And I just turn around immediately like and he's sitting there wiping himself. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet heavens. And man, I almost shot that thing, dude. I thought it was like an anaconda had crawled up through the toilet and attached itself to him and was trying to kill him. Oh, my God. Oh, my Jesus, man. And, you know, I turned around in shame. And I was like, man, am I even really black? My God, like, how does that happen? Like, how does God decide who gets these giant ass dongs? For the love of God, man. It was terrifying. There's no way. This dude probably walks down the street every day and trips over this thing, man. And I told myself, I was like, you know what? It's always the felons. It's always the guys that are jerks. And it's always the guys that have bad criminal records that get all the extra meat in life. That's what it is. Clearly, clearly, had he been a decent individual, he probably would have had an average size packer. But get you what? Nah, this dude's a felon, got all these charges. And it's always the skinny dudes. This dude, man. Bro, I mean, God, sweet, sweet heavens, man. God, what a like I said, the summer of dawn cometh early. It's too soon for all this, man, too soon. You know, and after that, I just started thinking. I was like, man, this is probably the same thing that got Vicky White in trouble and made her walk away from her job. Not walk away from her job, but walk away from her pension after working 20 plus years in a jail and bail out and well, not even bail, well, rescue a felon that was on in jail for the rest of his life for murder and leave with this dude and just threw away everything that she worked for. Only a big old dong could probably make a woman do something that crazy. I mean, we we were talking about it at work the other day and I'm just trying to make sense of it, man. I just want to make sense of how the fact that this lady and everybody knows who Vicky White is, man, like I said, personally, when the whole thing was going down, I was not really watching and paying that much attention because I was in a foggy mist of a haze and confusion because I was working derby like 12 plus hours a day. And I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what time it was. I was just I was just existing and powering through. Yo. So, and I remember seeing things about it periodically 
on the news, but I didn't really pay attention. But I actually looked into it the other day, you know, when they once they crashed here in uh, Indiana and, you know, she killed herself. So but I was just thinking, I'm like, how does that happen? Like what in her mind clicked to where, you know, he I don't know. You know, pe- people that people are in jail that are master manipulators, especially men. And he, you know, when, you, when you're around a woman that's not particularly attractive and her, her husband's died and you can easily take advantage of her, I guess. But, you know, I was like, man, what does this dude bring to the table? This dude kills somebody. He's probably got a big old dong, too, because like I said, it's never the good guys. It's always the bad guys, man. And Lord knows he was probably hammering her in the jail. But my thing is, like, and she was the, they said she was the ideal employee, the employee of the year. And my thing is, like, man, how did they not see this coming? There's always signs. It doesn't just happen. There are always signs leading up to these incidents. And the sheriff down there said that there were definitely signs once he started talking to people. They were saying that, I guess, that, uh, you know, Vicky and this guy, they had a special relationship. And the article says we confirmed through independent sources and other means that there was, in fact, a relationship relationship between Casey White and Vicky White outside of her normal work hours. Not physical contact, but a relationship of a different nature. And we were also told that Casey got special privileges and was treated differently while in the facility than the other inmates. Inmates said Casey White was getting extra food on his tray and was getting the extra privileges no one else got. And this was all coming from her. And nobody thought to think or say anything like, man, Mickey, we got to pull you aside. I mean, if you're getting special attention from a corrections officer outside of normal business hours, bro, that is a problem. And it should have been addressed. Even my major at work, we were talking. She was like, yo, this is why you have to pay attention to your people. Because if you harp down on the little things, you can prevent the bigger things from happening down the line. And the next thing you know, she sneaks this guy out and they're on a, what, 11 day spree of just, you know, trying to get away and trying to start a life over together. Little, little Miss Vicky, little cleft lip Vicky. My God, dude, like this, uh, the whole thing was frustrating. And then my question is, yo, where the hell were they going? Where did you think you were going? You were already in the South. Why not drive to Mexico? Why not get on a boat in Florida and head to Cuba? I don't know. But where? Evansville, Indiana. That's where y'all were at. That's where you were going. This is where you wanted your tragic love story to come to an end and make your last stand. Was in Evansville, Indiana. You know, they got close to Louisville. They would have almost been better off as that come to Louisville and got caught. And just ran because we can't chase people anyway, so it don't make a difference. They would have got away. And Miss Vicky probably still be alive, but no. They had to cross over and to go to Evansville, Indiana. What the hell's in Evansville, Indiana? Where do you think you're going? I mean, you ain't going to Canada. You're not getting across the border there, yo. But I mean, my God. I mean, this was a poorly, poorly thought out escape. There was no plan in this thing. Yo, and then now the question is, you know, after they after the pursuit and they crashed. And they pull him out the car and he starts yelling, my wife shot herself. My wife just shot herself. You know, the question is, did she really shoot herself or did he shoot her? And a lot of people seem to think that he shot her, but I don't think so. We have to look at who had the most to lose in this situation. Clearly not him. 
This dude was in jail for life already. He was going back to jail, period. He knew his fate if he was caught. Her, on the other hand, she made this decision to throw away everything that she had worked towards her entire life. You know, it's just, of course, I, I like she knows she works in the jail. She's been there for years. What do you think they're going to do when they bring her back in there to be an inmate at this place or maybe transfer somewhere else? She's been on national news. You can't, can't put her in jail and expect people to leave her alone. Yeah, I think she shot herself. She had to have. I'd say, what did what would have benefited him to shoot her? Her, on the other hand, she was probably like, you know what? I'm going to miss that big old dong riding up and down on it. It's been a good run, Casey, but I can't live with myself after this, and I'm not going to jail. And I believe she took that freaking pistol, put it to head, and pulled the trigger. I, I really do. I don't see why. I mean, like I said, she had everything to lose. He had nothing to lose. Nothing. So there's no need for him to kill her. But I'm sure they're gonna. I'm sure they did the uh, the gunshot uh, resid the GSR gunshot residue swab on his hands and her hands. And if he did shoot her, the evidence will be able to show that hey, he had gunpowder residue on his hands from pulling the trigger of the gun. And then he'll be charged for murder again. And he will already be in jail and never be out. So, you know, this was his one chance to get free. And so he went on ahead and, you know, took took the chance. And so did she. And I mean, God, like, how, I don't just I'm not a smart man, people, but I make decent decisions in life. And I just I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand how I mean, you know, her husband was dead. He was deceased. She lost her husband. And I'm guessing he just, man, he got in her head somehow maybe and just said so he was laying that big old dong down on her and she just fell in love and threw it all away for him and that dong. And speaking of dong, I'm not done with the subject yet. Like I said, the summer of dong cometh early. Even for the police, the summer of dong cometh early. Yes, apparently the police are out here in these streets pulling out they meet in front of people on calls and runs and pleasuring themselves in front of the people that we have sworn to protect and serve. If you've not heard what you're about to hear, a San Jose police officer faces charges for masturbating during disturbance call. According to the district attorney, a San Jose police officer faces indecent exposure charges for allegedly masturbating at a family's home while responding to a disturbance call last month, officials says. Officer Matthew Dominguez, 32 years old, was arrested on Thursday, Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office said. The incident took place April 21st. That's when he and two other officers were sent to a home on a call that a family member who was mentally ill was being violent. According to the DA's office, Dominguez sent the two other officers away to locate the subject. He then touched himself in front of two female family members. After this, Dominguez exposed himself to the mother. The DA's office said the victims, who were shocked and scared by the officer's behavior, fled and reported Officer Dominguez's actions to the two male relatives nearby. One of the relatives also witnessed the officer exposing himself in a dining area, prosecutor says. Dominguez will be arraigned on a misdemeanor indecent exposure charge on June 22nd. If convicted, the DA's office said he could face a year in jail and be placed on the sexual offender list for 10 years. Dominguez is currently on administrative leave from the police department, and he's been on for four years. I have so many questions. 
So many questions about this incident. Like, bro, what the hell? Personally, I want to see the body cam footage to see how this unfolded. I really do. Like, I just, I can't fathom, imagine, or understand. Now, I've been around a while. I've seen officers do some dumb stuff. I've seen officers do some pretty crazy stuff. Well, I'm not going to say seen, but I've heard of officers doing crazy stuff. If I would have saw somebody doing something that crazy, I'm definitely snitching, bro, because I'm not you know, I'm not going down with you for that one. Not even close, yo. But, yeah, we had an officer here in Louisville. It's not the first time. Had an officer uh, get fired. I used to work with him. I actually know his wife. His wife was my teacher in high school. Homeboy got caught beating it off behind a gas station <laughs> in the hood, yo. Like, you know, it, it, man, I'm going to say officers are people, but there's just some people that don't need to be in uniform, man. And this cat here, like, how did that unfold? What was the conversation that led to that? Like, I don't, I'm trying to in my mind understand and formulate how he thought to, you know, this is a good time to pull my dick out right now. You know, just <laughs> like, how does that, I don't understand how it happens, man. Like, I really don't. Oh, and I said, we don't do ourselves any favor in this line of work. You know, we've been under enough stress and fire the last few years, and this dude thinks it's okay to pull his cock out on a run and start rubbing himself in front of people that are in the midst of a incident with the mentally disturbed family members. And I can only imagine this officer. You guys look for him. I'm going to stay right here. I got this. Don't worry about me. And my, 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 my big question is, how did this end? And did he finish himself off in front of these people? Because if he did, my thing is, bro, like, where did you dispose of your cream? <laughs> where did you, what did you do? Like, I, how do you even do that than just walk away? Like, what do you say to these people as you're walking away? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's 2022, man. This is insane. You know, like, he just pulls it out and just, hey, check this out. And then the family members, the male relatives that saw him, I'm like, yo, did they go in there and beat this dude's ass or what? I, Lord knows if one of my family members would have told me this happened. I don't care if you are a cop. Like, yo, this cop over here in my living room right now stroking himself, man, just fapping it and just, if that was my family member, I'm coming in, bro. I'm putting hands on you. Well, I'll be very, I'll put on gloves first because that is clearly disgusting. Just my God, dude. And then the other question I have is, where the hell are we finding these people, these officers, man? Where are we getting our recruiting from? But, you know, this is what happens when you run off all the good officers. And this is what happens when politics get involved and nobody wants to be a cop. When well-qualified, smart people of integrity and good character, nobody wants to endure what police have endured the last few years. So you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel you are trying to hire the crap on the ground that the barrel is sitting on top of. And that is clearly what this is. You know, I mean, you, how did this guy pass a psych test? I mean, they're not, it's not easy. It's not hard to pass. Anybody can pass them, man. We've had some literally crazy people get hired on this department. We're still hiring crazy people. Hell, I remember we had an officer that was at the Thornton's here in Louisville and he tied some girl up in the back and was whooping her and touching on her. Like, and the only reason that got turned in is because a good officer, my homeboy, turned this dude in when this uh, clerk approached her, was like, approached him and was like, yo, this happened to me with an officer. You know, he could have just dismissed him, like, nah, that would never happen. But no, my homeboy did the right thing. But 
This is what happens when you demonize police officers and decent people don't want to be cops. You are stuck with the crazy criminal element that probably never been caught doing anything, but they are not good people. And now they're in uniform and they're going to take advantage of you and that uniform. That is just what happens. And unfortunately, I've said it before, when there's not a lot of officers, people suffer. And when people suffer, it's because there's no good officers around to make sure that people are being taken care of, that people are being taken care of and that investigations are getting done. Case in point, Minneapolis right now, the police are unable to investigate a significant number of cases because they are so short on officers. So what happens now? The state police are stepping in in Minneapolis to try to come and help the police in that area do their job because there's such a shortage of officers. And like I said, it's not just there. This is worldwide, man. This is everywhere. It ain't just in uh, Minneapolis. There's nowhere you can go right now where you're going to find a police department that is fully staffed. If you do, congratulations, man, because that is an anomaly. And we are hurting in this profession more than ever. And we're going to continue to keep hurting as long as we have officers pulling out their dicks on duty and just deciding to get a few strokes in in front of victims. I don't know how that happens, but okay. I, you know, hey, we're here in 2022. I guess we're all in on this bullshit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's getting ugly out here, man. Like I say, you got naked people everywhere. You got officers jacking off on duty. And then now you also got the economy, which is tanking. The economy is just horrible right now. Now, mind you, I'm not a, an economist at all. I know nothing about the economy. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into all that. I just kind of live my life and do my thing, man. But I can tell you this. I do know that the stock market is down and people are flipping out over their portfolios and their retirement savings, man, because everything is crashing right now. And it's a pain in the ass. And I've never seen so many people panic. You know, I saw a report that said the Dow suffered the longest losing streak since 2001 as stocks benchmarks extend weekly losses despite closing sharply higher. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell for a seventh straight week. It's the longest streak since 2001, according to Dow Jones Market. So the economy is slowly tanking. And not only that, everybody's favorite thing in the world to do that I've never gotten into. Cryptocurrency. The crypto market is folding, apparently. And I'm not going to sit here and say that. I told you all so, because honestly... I've never really paid attention to crypto and I've never really just never been my thing. I never got into it, man. I'm really not into the whole stock market thing. You know? So, yeah, but apparently, you know, the crypto is tanking and it has lost a ton of money. I saw a report the other day that a guy was saying he lost so much money that he's not even going to be able to pay the bank back because he lost so much money. You know, I think, you know, I honestly believe all of this stuff is it's going to eventually bounce back. But at the same time, a part of me is like, man. I just see them doing this because people know, you know, the people that run things in this country and in this world, they're not going to let you get rich off of cryptocurrency. There might be a few people here and there who can get rich off of it, but they're not going to let all of us get rich off of cryptocurrency. It's just not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. You might make a couple of dollars here and there, but, you know, the truth is you are not going to win at the stock market like everybody else is. And that's just the way the game is played right now, unfortunately. You know, it's we saw this what last year or the year before with AMC stock, and with the Robinhood app, where 
you know, people were making all this money and they didn't like it. So what they do, they shut that damn app off and they shut down the market in there and the, sh- in the, in the sharing because people are making too much damn money. And how much that's bull crap, man. Absolute bull crap. So they can play with the market and bend it at their will. But when the average man steps up to start making a little bit of money, they can just turn off the faucet. But anyway, like I said, man, I'm just not into the whole cryptocurrency thing. I I said, I don't know enough about it. There's people that know a hell of a lot more about it than me. So, I mean, I know I have a lot of friends that I put a lot of money into it and I hope they haven't lost too much money. And I mean, hey, it's it's a volatile market, dude. I mean, it's high risk stakes and high risk gambling. You know, and that's if that's how you want to spend your money. Hey, do you you ain't got to answer to me. You a grown ass man. You got to answer to the government and you got to answer to your family about why you lost all your money and all your investments. So, but like I said, hopefully this is just temporarily and everything starts to turn back around. But man, the number one sign that I see currently that America is tanking and the economy is tanking. There's one way to tell. So goes Lowe's and Home Depot. So goes the nation. You know, it has always been one of my things as an older man that I love going to Lowe's. I love going to get stuff from my house and doing, you know, small projects and stuff and getting tools. And recently, it has been a damn nightmare going to Lowe's. One, because nobody in this country wants to work anymore. Man, I went to Lowe's the other day and I walked around for almost 20 minutes before I could find a single employee that was available to help me. You know, I used to be able to go to Lowe's and find somebody in the snap of a fingers. And there was always somebody working. Somebody always there willing to help. You know, and now, nah, not so much. And even that, man, everything is out of stock. Everything's out of stock, dude. You know, like I couldn't find anything I was looking for the other day at Lowe's. And then to make matters even worse, I live in a really nice neighborhood in the suburbs, y'all. And there's one thing I need and want, and that's to keep my grass manicured and cut. Because I don't want to be that guy in the neighborhood with an ugly yard. You know, but I also have a decent-sized yard now. And this, when I moved in last year, I told myself, man, this summer I'm trying to save money. I'm just going to push my yard with a push mower. But my yard, my backyard is way too damn big, and there's a slope. And I started pushing that yard two weeks ago. And I was like, you know what, the hell with this. I'm going to buy me a riding mower, and I'm going to do it that way. I didn't want to spend the money, but I was like, you know what, damn it. It's too damn hot, and I'm too fat to be out here with the push mower for two and a half, three hours in the yard. I'm not doing it. And so I go to Lowe's the other day, and like I said, I'm walking around. I can't find anybody <clears throat> to help me to give y'all money so I can buy this product. So after 20, 30 minutes of looking around, I finally find somebody. I'm like, hey, let me get that John Deere S100 right there. You know, so, you know, I go through the whole ordeal and man place the order and things are just going horribly wrong and i'm like yo this is not a good sign you know they couldn't find it in the store or couldn't find it in the system and then i'm like all right all right whatever so you know we finally find it and i'm like hey i want to set this up for delivery so we set it up for delivery the next day well i'm off the next day and i plan my whole day around waiting for this john deere tractor to cut my yard to show up well, guess what? I wait all day. I've called multiple times. Nobody answered the damn phone at Lowe's. Nobody answered the phone. I'm f- steaming mad. 
And I finally get a hold of somebody at like 8 o'clock. Like, yo, where is my damn tractor? They're like, sir, there's nobody here for deliveries. I'm like, y'all told me it was coming today. Like, how does this happen? And they were like, sir, we'll let us talk to a manager in the morning. Dude, the strike at 8 o'clock, I called that store. I was like, yo, where is my tractor? Oh, we're sorry, sir. We don't know what happened, but it should have been there. I'm like, well, it's not. Make it right. Okay, we're going to get it out to you today, sir, around 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock comes, no tractor. And so I'm like, you know what? I called the store like, yo, what the hell? Uh, we ran into a problem, Mr. Pitts. Uh, we have the tractor here, but it's not working. Like, what do you mean it's not working? It's not turning over. Well, then give me another one. We don't have any others. You know what? I, man, I hung up that phone and drove down to Lowe's. N never more angry and upset and disappointed with Lowe's because Lowe's is a foundation of America. That is where all of responsible men, grown men, love to go and be men and do house projects and do all this stuff. Yo, but back in the day, I could go to Lowe's. I could depend on Lowe's. But you know what? They let me down. And that is a sure sign that America is crumbling. And Home Depot was no better. I go to Home Depot and I was like, you know what, damn it, I'm going to get me a cup cadet. I go to Home Depot. Guess what? There's nobody there working. I'm sitting there waiting forever, trying to find an employee to help me purchase this Cub Cadet tractor. And I wait all this time. And as I'm waiting, there's a line building up. The phone is ringing off the hook forever. Nobody's answering the phone. And then finally, I find somebody and they help me purchase the tractor that I want. And then guess what? I set it up for delivery. And the same thing happened. Like, hey, what day is it going to come? It's going to come on this day. Okay. I tell my wife, hey, I got to work. They should be delivering the tractor today. Well, the whole day passed. I'm getting ready to get off. Like, hey, where's the tractor? It's not here yet. Nobody's called. It hasn't come. So I attempt to call Home Depot. I sit on the phone for almost an hour while the phone rang because I am so upset. I am determined. You are not going to get over on me on this one. You're like, why does this keep happening? Like somebody answered this damn phone. And so I was like, you know what? I'm taking off from work 30 minutes early. Man, I got off from work 30 minutes over early and drove over to the Home Depot and was like, yo, where is my damn tractor? We don't know what happened today, sir. We don't know, but it'll be there tomorrow. I'm like, you damn well, it damn well better be here tomorrow. Guess what? It didn't come tomorrow. It came on Friday. And, dude, let me tell you something. I was so damn mad. My God, was I ever so upset. I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's both let me down. I don't know if I'll ever forgive them. Yes, I'm happy to have my tractor, and I'm happy to be able to freaking cut my grass. But, man, dude, like, when Lowe's and Home Depot are having a rough go at it, that just tells you all you need to know, man. And these are good organizations, typically. Like I said, I've never really had trouble with them before in the past. But recently, everything's been out of stock. I mean, there's no people working, and it's just been a nightmare. And not only that, baby formula is also out of stock. Thank God I don't have any children. But man, like it's just the economy is completely tanking. I mean, babies don't have formula, bro. Like that. How is this happening? And gas prices went back up. Bro, gas out where I'm living at is like almost four thirty a gallon. It, it was just recently at three ninety eight and it went back up. I am upset. This is unacceptable. You know, our pockets are hurting and we still have our freaking politicians especially President Joe Biden, still trying to send $40 million to Ukraine. 
while our borders are unprotected and overrun, the gas is up in this country and our shelves are empty and bare. But yet we got $40 million to send to Ukraine. But thank God for Kentucky State Representative Rand Paul for stepping in and putting a halt to them sending that money over. You know, Rand Paul stood up the other day and was like, hey, if we're going to send this $40 million, we need a watchdog to watch over how this money is spent. Because like I said on my last uh, podcast, it's easy to spend money that ain't yours. And you know what? When you do that, you can also probably get yourself a little bit of money on the side off of it. Because that is just how these politicians operate. You know, and that just makes me so mad that we have all this going on. And, you know, the economy's tanking and crumbling and collapsing. We're not taking care of our own people. But we're trying to take care of the world. But then here we have, you know, President Biden. You know, and we have to figure out who's responsible for all this. Well, who other than the great MAGA king himself, the ultra MAGA, President Trump? You know, I saw that on the news the other day. So with the midterms coming up, you know, the Democrats have literally nothing going for themselves. And the best they can do and come up with is, of course, well, President Trump's not been in office in almost two years. Who are we going to blame? We're going to blame President Trump, but we're not going to call him President Trump. We're going to call him the MAGA king and the people that support him in politics, the ultra MAGA. That's the best the Democrats could come up with. So now we're at this point, like I said, the midterms are coming and the Democrats are trying to deflect, 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 point the finger and blame, blame, blame. This isn't my fault. It's all Trump's fault. And freaking uh, Biden said at uh, one of his press conferences, he said, look at my predecessor, the great MAGA king. The deficit increased every single year he was president. Dude, like you've been in office two years, homie. Two years. And y'all know me, man. I try to play the middle and public and Democrat. At this point, I really don't care. But the fact that Joe Biden is not trying to take any responsibility for how horrible our economy is right now. And he's trying to put everything on Trump. People pay attention. Pay attention to what's really going on here. OK, like I said it's time for votes and they're going to do do and say whatever they can to get those votes for the midterms because the Democrats have full control on both sides of the aisle right now. They are in control of everything. But guess what? Nothing's getting done and things are only getting worse. So do not be distracted by this craziness, man. And then to make matters worse, now we got this damn, what is it? The Department of Homeland Security, the, uh, what do they call it? The Miss, yeah, the Mint's Information Board, Advisory Board. So they're trying to crack down on misinformation. And my thing is, if any of you all have read George Orwell's 1984, the Ministry of Truth, this is exactly what it is. This is them crafting and cultivating their own narrative and putting out what they want people to know and believe. One of the parts in uh, the book 1984 by George Orwell, Winston. The young freedom fighter, I guess you could call him, searching for the truth when he gets taken by the ministry and he's told, you know what, two plus two is five and you will not question it and you will not believe it. When we tell you that two plus two is five, you will just believe it's five, you know, and that that is pretty much where we're at now, where we have the federal government trying to step in and tell us what is true and what is not true. And if anything, we all know you cannot trust the federal government. You should never trust the federal government. You shouldn't trust any government. 
or government officials, because like I said, they are out for themselves at this point in time. And with the midterms coming, they're going to say whatever they can to get those votes, baby. That's all it's ever about. And so now we're dealing with this, that we have our own ministry of truth started in this country. But I feel like it's going to blow back on them at this point in time because they have literally nothing going for themselves and they are only pissing people off more and more. And we it's just a it's a dire time in our country right now. And crime is out of control across the board, man. I mean, here in Louisville, crime is just constantly nice. I don't even hardly pay attention to it anymore just because I'm just so tired of seeing violence and hearing about crime. I mean, I deal with it every day, but when I'm off, I'm I'm in my own little slice of heaven where I live at in my subdivision in my neighborhood, and all the problems in the world don't really seem to affect me here. And that is what I call having privilege, and I'm a very, very black man, very dark man, and I love where I live at, dude. It's so nice and quiet and peaceful. You know, we're all hardworking people out here, and all our kids are here having a good time. We're all different colors and living our lives, but apparently the chaos is just unfolding around us. And I'm constantly reminded that no matter how good I have it here, I can't let my guard down because there's somebody crazy out there that's always standing on the corner ready to do something stupid and hurt and kill people. And we had this mass shooting in Buffalo the other day, yesterday, that I just heard about this morning. And I started looking into it. And my God, dude. And you you know what? So we all, if you don't know, like I said, there's the mass shooting in Buffalo. Guy, white guy, drives from hours away. He is clearly a racist. He is a white supremacist. And he has fully dressed in tactical gear. And he even live streamed this thing on Twitch, on the streaming service. And at the end of the rifle, his AR-15, he had the word nigger written on it. And he goes to this gas or this uh, grocery store in Buffalo, New York, and just starts shooting and killing random black people. It is tragic. It is extremely sad, but, you know, this is exactly what the Democrats and the far left want, you know, a tragedy that they can take and make political. And I don't want it to become political. It should just be, you know what? But I knew they were going to have a field day with this. Once I found out this dude was a white supremacist and I'm not going to mention him by name. This is exactly what they wanted to happen. Something like this going into the midterms to energize their base to come out so they can say, hey, look at what's happening. Racist people are taking over. But that's not the case. This is a one incident. I'm not going to call it a minor incident. It was a big incident, yo. But we know these people exist. These people are out here. There are crazy racist white people out here. But we forget a couple months ago, there's a crazy racist black guy in a New York subway. Went and did the same thing. Guess what? He just sucked at what he was doing. And thank God nobody died. But, you know, this this guy the other day in Buffalo killed 10 people with the AR. And then I see the comment by... Sean King, Martin Luther Cream himself. I can't stand that dude. I think I told you on the last podcast, he reminds me of uh, Rachel Dozo. This dude is a white boy trying to pass as a black man. And he makes the comment of, oh, of course, you know, a racial shooting. You know, guy goes and kills 10 black people and he's taken alive. Okay, so anytime I hear that comment by people, I always immediately go on the offensive because do you only think that racist white people that commit mass shootings go get taken in alive by cops? No, that is not the case. Case in point, most shootings that happen in the black community in the neighborhood, it's a white officer's response. 
Do you know how many black people have shot other black people and been taken alive by the cops who are mostly white? It is not an anomaly when you have a mass shooting and the shooter gets taken alive. It doesn't it's not dependent on color. It is solely dependent on the shooter's actions when he encounters the police. If this guy would have still been armed and pointed a weapon at the police, he'd be dead. Guaranteed. There's no question about it. But if this guy does what he does, if you go and kill walk into a freaking daycare and you kill a thousand babies and then I come in there and you drop your weapon and get down on your knees and put your hands up. I cannot kill you. I cannot blast you away as much as I would like to. I can't because you are no longer posing a threat to me or the public. I can't shoot you for what you did because I didn't like what you did. That's not law enforcement. I am not Judge Dredd. I am not the judge, jury, and executioner. Yo, but if you are not presenting a threat, I have to take you in alive. And that individual was taken alive because after he did what he did, he did not pose a threat to the officers. If he was still a threat and still actively trying to kill people, that man would be dead. And it's not because he's white that he is still alive. So that is one of my biggest pet peeves I have when people start saying, if he was black, they would have killed him. No, not even the case. Dylan Roof, they took Dylan Roof alive. Because Dylan Roof gave up and didn't decide to fight. Man, and this, the miss, like, maybe we do need a ministry of truth, man. <laughs> maybe we do, because there's so much mistruths that get put out. No, we don't need a ministry of truth. I'm joking, people. That's the last thing I need. You know, that's the last thing any of us need. But we do need people to stand up and speak out and say, hey, this is right, this is wrong. And I'm not talking government officials. We need people within these communities, within the law enforcement community to stand up and say, hey, this is what happened. These are the facts and not have a bias and try to slant things for political reasons and gain. Because when we start slanting stuff for political gain, you know, we do confirmation bias and we start losing sight of the facts and the truth at hand. Oh, man, this this show's been off the rails a little bit. Y'all got to excuse me, but. Having a good time. It's good to be back. And man, I got to tell you all about the other night, this event I went to that I was invited to. And I got to give a shout out to retired LMPD sergeant and author John Maddenly. Y'all have heard me talk about John on my show before his book, 12 Seconds in the Dark. John was the officer that was shot during the Breonna Taylor raid. All right. So, man, John, you know, he's man, he's doing his book is doing phenomenal this man is getting out there and spreading the truth and putting the truth of the facts out. And he is fighting against the misinformation and lies that has been spread by the media. And so the other night at the FOP, John had a book party for here in Louisville. It's the first one he's done because he has had so many threats made against him and his family. And the big concern was always that, yo, if protesters find out about this, there are going to be people that come and try to hurt him and shut down his event. Well, he had his event the other night and not too long before the event happened, it was a couple days, you know, he approached me and said, Hey man, I want you to come to my event and I want you to sell your book at my event. And you know, officers, man, we are very type A person. I was like, man, I appreciate it. But no, nah, I don't want to do that, man. No, no, no. I don't want to encroach on your, you know, your event. This is all about you. And this man, John Maddenly is a good man. People. For, you know, for this to be his event and for him to invite me to his event and to speak and allow me to sell my book. That just speaks volumes to the type of person this man is. I mean, his whole family was there. 
his mom and dad, the sweetest people I have ever, ever met. Man, what a great family he comes from. I mean, his father and his mom, just awesome people, just loving on me and thanking me for my service. And the attendance at this thing, man, it was at the FOP here in Louisville. It was a phenomenal event. And I have never been more honored to be invited and be a part of something as I was this book release party. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize. I don't even think John realized this, but I really needed this event for myself as well. Not to sell my book, but emotionally. Because if y'all remember, I told you all on one of my podcasts a couple months ago, when I had my book release party, you know, COVID was still in effect and it was very small, very, you know, very formal. And I just, I was in a bad place mentally and I was having a very, very, very bad PTSD episode. So at my book event, everything was fake for me because I had to put on a smile. I had to try to make it seem like I was feeling stuff and I wasn't feeling anything. I was so emotionally numb. But since that, you know, I'm in a better place. I'm doing better now than I've been doing in months. And I feel so great. And being at John's event, I was able to take in all the emotions and feelings that come with having written a book. Being able to see him in his moment with his friends and family spreading the truth and seeing my kids and with me and his kids playing with his kids, my kids playing with his kids, just being in this environment surrounded by my fellow officers, fellow Patriots. And just, man, it felt so good to be able to feel how great it felt because I said, I didn't get any of that at my book event, but man, now that my emotions are turned back on it, Oh my God, I cannot tell you all how good it felt to be a part of this thing. So I just got to give another shout out to Sergeant John Maddenly. John, brother, if you are listening from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for having me and my family at your event. I know he says it's not about him, but this is his event in my mind. This man deserves all the praise that he gets for everything that he's been through and his family's been through. Like I, said, I just couldn't even imagine you know, and if you have not, you need to go get John's book, you know, Google, you know, 12 seconds in the dark, you know, by John Maddenly, you know, go to Amazon, get the book, get the audio book. But everybody needs to purchase the book and hear the truth from the man that was there himself, the man that took a bullet for the city and this city turned its back on him. So do yourself a favor. Go get John Maddenly's 12 seconds in the dark. OK. And before we close out. I need to pay some respect to a couple people that we've lost. Now, one person we lost a few weeks ago, and I was supposed to say it on my show, but honestly, I completely forgot. I got kind of wrapped up with everything going on. But I want to pay homage to a fallen National Guard soldier. His name was Specialist Bishop E. Evans, and he was the National Guard soldier who died on the border a couple weeks ago when he saw a lady fall into the water an illegal immigrant, a migrant, somebody that's not even an American. But he didn't see him as that. He saw it as a human being in need of help and assistance. And when this person fell into the water, into the river, he jumped in the river to save her. And unfortunately, during the incident, he drowned and his body was swept away and they recovered his body, you know, a couple, about a week or two ago. And man, I, this this is why I love Americans, veterans, and soldiers, man, just because 
the the humanity that soldiers have you know who else would do such a thing and that and don't get me wrong there are plenty of good people in the world civilians that would jump into the water to try to save somebody we had a guy here in Louisville that jumped into the water and tried to save a lady a couple months ago and he drowned and they recently found his body oh but I don't know there's just something about the American soldier that says honor duty commitment loyalty and just preserving life above all and the actions of this specialist, this young black guy, you know, to just disregard his own life and his safety and jump into the water to try to save this person and lose his life, not only in defense of America, but in defense of a human being in trouble. That just speaks so highly of, you know, the National Guard and those who, those who wear the uniform, man, like unbelievable absolutely unbelievable and this guy man like I, I know i know his family's hurting but my god they should be proud of the man that they raised and that the soldier that this guy was so specialist bishop uh, so specialist evans man thank you for your service and your sacrifice to our nation and thank you for seeing you know the humanity in somebody and not just seeing them as a migrant or somebody that's just you know that's not an american Thank you for just caring enough to put your life on the line to save somebody in need of help. Because, man, we love to categorize people in this country and put all these titles on stuff. But at the end of the day, we are all just people looking for a better life in a better way. And lastly, I want to pay respect to a fallen Louisville firefighter. His name was Sean McAdams. And he passed away the other day of a medical incident while on the clock and passed away and all i've seen on my facebook timeline here is just how great of a guy he was i didn't know him personally i've seen him around i know the face but i've never got to know him but everybody i know has nothing but good things to say about this guy so right now my heart is going out to the louisville fire department and for their loss of their brother there's a guy i work with at work ali he worked with the same guy with this uh firefighter in the same firehouse for like 12 to 13 years man you know, just seeing everybody respond to his loss, that, to tell, that that just tells you how great of a person he was. Like I say, he's more than just a firefighter. He was a good man. And so, you know, to lose, you know, losing anybody is hard. But when you lose servants, public servants and first responders, it's different, man, because, you know, we, you know, we do a job that a lot of people don't want to do. That's hard to do. And it's like, it's literally a calling, man. And when you're called to do it, you just, you know, I don't know, you can't, can't explain it, man. Can't explain the honor and the passion that comes with being a first responder. But when you lose a first responder, it's, it hits a little harder because they're such a special breed of people. And we need these people, man. And anytime we lose one, it's a, it's a shame and it's a tragedy, especially for his just being so sudden and unexpected. So I just want to take a moment, you know, take a moment of silence to pay respect to the fallen National Guard soldier, Specialist Evans and fallen Louisville firefighter, Sean McAdams. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitts podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you all coming back. And like I said, I know it's been a while since I've been back on the mic. Like I said, getting my feet back under me and I've been out of the loop trying to stay up to date on everything that's going on. But my God, there's so much to keep up with. 
but yet I'm here. So, you know, we like I said, I got a lot going on, working on the audio book. Everybody keeps ask, asking me. The audio book is still in production, but I had to take a two-week break because life has been crazy here. And I'm still trying to process all the dongs I've seen over the last few weeks. So, you know, give a brother some time. I'm work, getting back to working on it. Like I said, my book is out. I am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. If you would like a copy, go to Amazon.com and place an order. Or if you would like to order directly from me, a signed copy, drop me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. And I'll tell you how to buy from me direct, okay? And also, do me a favor, go and rate the show. I need, I need ratings, man. I need ratings. So if you could go to uh, was it Apple, go to Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and drop me a rating. Go to Spotify, you know, drop me some stars. Tell me what you really think. All right, and also another thing I'm gonna get ready to start doing here is I want people to start emailing me questions. So if you have questions that you want to ask DP, questions that you want to ask Dex, drop me an email at impits at yahoo.com with questions about stuff that's going on. And I want to start having a little segment called Ask Dex, okay? So I want to start getting in touch with more people and talking to more people and giving my perspective and just, you know, just trying to switch it up a little bit. You know, I do a lot of rambling, and people don't understand how hard it is to do a show where you just talk to yourself for an hour and 15 to 20 minutes. But I can do that because I am good company, and I don't mind talking to myself. So, <laughs> but so that's all I got going on, man. So, man, thank you all for tuning in again. And remember, it's getting warm out, but keep your damn pants on, okay? We don't need y'all out here slinging enough meat out in the streets, okay? We got plenty of that going on, so do not add, do not add to the problem. All right, thank y'all for tuning in, and I'll see y'all on the next one.